0: good evening everyone it is so good to be here to be at CE if you don't know me my name is Daniel Murcroft I am currently a pharmacy student at Queen's which means I will spend the next few years selling drugs to make a living does that make me a drug dealer yes it does it does make me a drug dealer. Um, but don't get any ideas, that's illegal and I won't be giving you anything, at least not for free anyway. But um, I was thinking the other night, I have been going to CE for almost uh, 10 years now and it has been such a, a great encouragement to me and my life and my faith and it's, um, it's really good to be here and it's, it's humbling to be standing on this side of the, the lectern as well. So thank you for, for having me. Um, tonight we are going to be continuing our series in Mark, as Francis read for us. Um, and so tonight, I just before we begin, I just want to give you a brief overview of where we're going. I think I have a clicker. There we go. Mark, yeah, the Christ, the cross, the question. That is what we are going to be thinking about tonight. And the, the story starts off with the, the blind man. We're not really going to get into too much detail on the blind man. I don't really have time um, to do that. Nothing against the blind man. I'm sure he was a nice guy. Just don't really have time to to look into his story in too much detail. But we want to look briefly at this question that Jesus asks his disciples in verse 29. Who do you say that I am? And then we want to look, um, and I have three reasons about why Jesus said what he says about suffering and dying and being rejected and rising again. I want to give three reasons why that had to happen. And then I want to leave you with one question as a challenge. And my aim is, if you're a Christian here tonight, if you're following Jesus already, you will leave um, loving him more and w- wanting to, to serve him and praise him more. And if you're not a Christian, well, there's something in here for you too. Because there's a really important question being asked and we all need to answer it. Do you think we can do that together? Let me pray before we start. Father, help me as I try to open your word and unpack it. Help me to um, speak your truth clearly. Uh, Father, may you increase, may I decrease, and may all these things go to glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So as I say, we're continuing our series in Mark, and we come to Mark chapter 8. Um, now by this point, um, Jesus has been healing people. He's cleansed some lepers. He's, cle- he's healed the paralytic. Remember the story where um, the men bring the man to Jesus, and they lower, lower him down through the roof, and Jesus heals him. That's earlier on in Mark. He's restored the man with the withered hands. He's told parables about seeds and sowers in the kingdom of God. He's cast out demons. He's fed the 5,000. Then the same day, he's walked on water. That was a busy one. Then he's then fed 4,000. And then we come to where we are now. I've got a map. There's my map. Um, in cha- As we come to the chapter 8, chapter 8 is the, the central chapter in the book of Mark. Mark has 16 chapters. So everything that has been done so far builds to Mark chapter eight. And then we're gonna see, we discover something in Mark chapter eight. And then the next eight chapters, we work our way to the cross. So you can see here, if my little pointer works. Yes, that's where we are here. That's Bethsaida, where this man was healed. And then we go up to Caesarea Philippi, okay? And up here is where um, we come to this revelation about who Jesus really is. And then the next eight chapters, Jesus will work his way back down to Jerusalem where he's to be killed. So that's where we are in Mark chapter eight. So this is a really important part of the story. It's pivotal in Mark's gospel. If you have a phone with you, I'm gonna let you get it out because I think it would be good if you had this in front of you. If you've got a phone or a Bible, get it out and whip open the the Bible app. And if you wanna turn up Mark chapter eight together so it's mark chapter 8 and we're going to start reading at verse 27 it goes like this and jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of caesarea philippi and on the way he asked his disciples who do the people say that i am and they told him john the Baptist." And others say, Elijah. And others, one of the prophets. Okay, we'll pause there for a second. So by this point, a bit of a crowd is following Jesus around. Some people have heard about the bread and the fish and the free lunch. Some people have heard about the miracles. And they just want to come and see what's going on. And so Jesus asks his disciples, see these people that are following me everywhere? Who do they say that I actually am? And so the disciples tell him, some think you're John the Baptist back from the dead. John the Baptist is dead at this point. He's had his head cut off by Herod. And so they say, some people think you're him back from the dead. Some people think you're Elijah from the Old Testament. And some people think you're one of the prophets. So there's a couple of of, of options of who Jesus could maybe be. And there's probably more that weren't written down either. Then Jesus goes on. Look at verse 29 with me. And he asked them, But who do you say that I am? So Jesus gets more specific. Never mind what the crowds say. Never mind what all these people following me say. Who do you say that I am? Now this is a big moment for the disciples. They have seen everything that Jesus has done firsthand. They have seen all the miracles They've heard all the teachings. They've been with him since the start of his ministry. They've had things explained to them that other people haven't. So this is a really important bit. Are they going to let Jesus down? Do they really know who Jesus is? Are they going to get it right or are they going to get it wrong? And if you know anything about the the disciples, they often get it wrong. They often mess it up. And then Peter speaks up for the group. And if there's one person you don't want to speak up for the group, it's probably Peter. Peter, sometimes you just don't know what he's going to say next. He's kind of like that friend you have around your house, but you don't really let him talk to your parents just in case he he tells an incriminating story about you or something that gets you in trouble. You just don't really know what he's going to come out with. But Peter, if if you look with me, Peter answered him, you are the Christ. And in Matthew's account of the story, in Matthew's gospel, Peter answers, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He knows who Jesus is. And this is important. Especially for a Jew. Um, Let me explain. This is is really important. This is the most important revelation that one of these men could make about Jesus. Um, That word... Uh, Christ it means anointed one it's the same word I think in our version it said Messiah Messiah is the Hebrew word for anointed one Christ is the Greek word for anointed one now this is is really important in the Old Testament they anointed kings and priests and for centuries the Jews the Jewish people have been waiting for this Messiah this Christ to come and deliver them and for Peter to say to Jesus, you are the Christ, what he's saying is, you're the the, the one who's going to come and deliver us from bondage. You're the one who's been promised in the Old Testament, in our books of the law. You're the one who all this points to. You're the king that we've been waiting on for centuries. And so Peter has hit the nail on the head. He is right. Jesus is the Christ. But as we'll see in a minute, it's not quite what they expect in Jesus. The plan that Peter has isn't quite right. They think that Jesus is going to come and overthrow the Romans and make Israel this powerful nation again. But actually, Jesus has something in mind that's much, much greater. Let's keep reading. If you turn with me to verse 31. And he, that's Jesus For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Let's pause there. So, to get this straight, Peter has confessed Jesus as the Christ, the Messiah, the deliverer, this promised king that's coming. And that's great. And then Jesus starts telling them something that they really didn't expect. He says that he's going to have to suffer, he's going to have to be rejected and he's gonna have to die. And Peter doesn't like that at all, so he jumps in and he rebukes Jesus. He jumps in, he says, no, it doesn't have to be like that. That's not how it's meant to be, Jesus. Peter doesn't like it at all. Peter can't see and doesn't understand what's going on. Peter thinks it's suicide. And if only Peter had seen Toy Story 2, he would have understood what was going on. Any Toy Story 2 fans in the room? Couple. Sorry, you can put your hand up. We're allowed to enjoy kids' movies. Any Toy Story 2 fans in the room? Anyone hate it, but has seen it at least? Okay. Well, do you remember, do you remember in Toy Story 2 where um, Andy gets it? Or, sorry, not Andy. Woody gets his arm ripped and gets put on the top shelf and he meets Weezy, the little squeezy guy. No? Tell you what, well, well, here's the thing, right? Andy gets put up there and um, there's a yard seal and Andy's, sorry, Woody gets put up there. I don't know why I keep calling him Andy. Woody gets put up there and there's a yard seal and then Wheezy um, is going to be sold in the yard seal. Um, but how about we just we just watch it it's like a, it's like a 2 minute clip Here, boy, here, Buster, up here! No, 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 (laughs) no! Okay, boy, to the yard sale! Yeah. What's going on? His arm ain't that bad. Don't do it, Woody! We love you! Careful on the steps, now. Let's go and keep it casual. Not that casual. Piggy bank coming through, hey, coming through. See. Is he okay? out there? There he is. He's selling himself for 25 cents! Oh, Woody, you're worth more than that. Hold on, hold on, hold on, he's got something. <gasps> it's Wheezy. Wheezy! Wheezy? Hey, it's not suicide, it's a rescue! <laughs> Good boy, Buster. Hold still. There, there you go, pal. Bless you, Woody. All right, now, back to Andy's room. Yeah. Way to go! Uh, come yeah! Right. Ooh, yeah! If someone walked in at that point, they'd be wondering why we were all watching Toy Story. But, um, yeah, I, I told my sister I was going put to that, put that little clip in. And uh, she was eating a Muller Corner at the time, I think. And she said, uh, are you going to relate that to the talk? I said, yeah. And she went, no, girl, too far, too far. <laughs> but it's in now, and we've watched it. Don't do it, Woody. We love you. And then, it's not suicide, it's a rescue. The toys couldn't see why Woody was going and going out to the yard. See, they thought he was climbing into the box to get sold for 25 cents. And then he comes out with Wheezy and Rex shouts, it's not suicide, it's a rescue. Peter could not see what Jesus was going to do, he could not understand it. It wasn't clear yet, even though Jesus had said. It says that Jesus was telling them plainly. Turn to verse thirty-one again with me. The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed, and after three days rise again. Peter didn't get it, he didn't like it, and Jesus says, it must happen. I must suffer, I must be rejected, I must be killed, and I must rise again. No doubt about it. And so my um, question for us tonight is, why did it have to be this way? Why did Jesus have to be rejected and suffer and be killed, and rise again. And I've got um, three reasons, if my PowerPoint works. That's number one. Uh, three reasons why Jesus um, said this, and they all begin with P, so they're easy to remember. Number one is planned. It had to happen this way because it was Planned. What do I mean when I say that this was planned? That Jesus' um, suffering and rejection and death was planned? Who was it planned by? Was it planned by Judas? Was it planned by the Romans? Was it planned by the Jews? And my answer to that is no, not ultimately. Ultimately, the death um, and suffering and rejection of Jesus Christ was planned by God. In fact, it was always God's plan. Judas didn't um, spring himself upon Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus wasn't caught off guard by this. This was always the plan, and it was the plan from before the foundation of the world. Now, where do I where do I get that from? I'm going to read from you from Ephesians chapter 1, a couple of verses. You don't have to turn to it, but I'll read it. And you can listen out for the key sentence. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him, and here it is, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy holy and blameless before him. If you're a Christian here tonight, then God has chosen you before the foundation of the world. That means before anything was created, before um, Adam and Eve uh, saw the tree in the garden, before the tree was even there, God had planned to save his people, and therefore if God had planned to save his people this plan of Jesus going to the cross and suffering and dying and being rejected to enable um, the price to be paid for our redemption was was in place so this was always the plan revelation 13 tells us that names were written in the lamb's book of life from before the foundation of the world this has always been the plan This suffering and rejection and killing of Jesus was the way it was always meant to be. And so Peter would do well not to get in the way of it. Jesus says in Matthew 10, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This was always his plan. That's number one. Jesus' suffering and rejection and death was, had to happen this way because it was always the plan. It was planned. Number two, it was prophesied. Glenn talked last week and, and pulled out some incredible Old Testament references to Jesus. I just want to go to one place and it's in Psalm 22 and this is king david speaking hundreds of years before jesus ever came but you'll you'll see the, par- the the parallels here he says this but i am a worm and not a man scorned by mankind and despised by the people and jesus says the son of man must be must suffer many things and be rejected he was rejected he was despised the chief priests and elders handed him over to the Romans to be crucified. David goes on, all who see me mock me. And didn't they all mock him? If you read the accounts of, of Jesus' death, they put the crown of thorns in his head and the purple robe on him and they pretended to, to bow down to him. The psalmist David then goes on, they make mouths at me, they wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord, let him deliver him. And in Mark 16, as Jesus hangs on the cross, it tells us that people went past him and wagged their heads and shouted, he saved others, he cannot save himself. One more from Psalm 22. They have pierced my hands and my feet. They divide my garments among them. For my clothing they cast lots. They pierced my hands and my feet. And the Roman soldiers did gamble for his clothes, didn't they? When they stripped him naked, they eventually um, cast lots, basically means like roll the dice, bedded, to see who would take Jesus' clothes home. There are loads more uh, prophecies like this pointing us to Jesus' death. Their suffering and rejection and death of Jesus had to happen because he was fulfilling those prophecies and it had to happen this way in particular and here's number three we're almost finished it was purposeful why did why all this suffering and mockery for jesus why the rejection why the killing well it was purposeful it wasn't meaningless isaiah 53 verse 5 another old testament prophecy about Jesus, goes like this. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Our sin needed to be paid for. Our sin against a holy and righteous God who cannot be in its presence needed to be paid for. And so when Jesus goes to this cross and hangs there and absorbs the wrath of God upon himself, he does so in our place. For all who come to him and have faith in this ultimate sacrifice, he takes their punishment so that we wouldn't have to. And if you're a Christian here tonight, he has paid the price that you deserve to pay. He went through it for us. And all who come in faith can come and enter into this eternal joy and have sins forgiven and have peace everlasting. It was purposeful as he bore the wrath of God on the cross. That's why we can sing songs like on the cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. We can sing that because we know it's true. It's true because that's what he was accomplishing on the cross for us. So it was not for nothing. It was all for purpose so those are my three reasons why did Jesus have to uh, suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and um, be killed and rise again because it was planned from before the foundation of the world it was prophesied in the old testament and it was purposeful in what it was achieving for us I am nearly finished but I said I would leave you with a question And it's a very important question I want to leave you with. In fact, it's eternally important. Um, Your answer to this question will not only determine how you spend the next 30, 40, 50, 60 short years of your life on earth. Your answer to this question will determine where you spend your eternity. And so you need to think very carefully about your answer. And everyone will have to answer this question. And so here it is. We've actually already seen it tonight. It's Jesus' own question to his disciples. Who do you say that I am? Never mind who the crowd say he is. Never mind who uh, mum and dad or your friends in school or brothers and sisters say this man is. Who do you say I am? Is he the Christ, the son of God, like Peter says? Is Jesus the one who was promised in the Old Testament? Is he the one who before the foundation of the world planned to go and hang on that tree for all who would come in faith to him? Is he the one who would be rejected and despised and suffer many things? Is Jesus Christ who he said he is? Peter and the disciples, I think, were too shocked by Jesus' statement to notice the last little phrase that he says. And after three days, rise again. Is Jesus who he said he is? The empty tomb suggests that Jesus is who he says he is. And if you're here tonight and you're not so sure If it's true or not. Then I'm glad that you're here. And I would encourage you to get yourself a a gospel of, of Mark or Luke or John. And read it. And read more about this Jesus. And find out who this Jesus is. It's really important that you do. And it's really important that you answer this question. And if you're a Christian here tonight. Which I know many of you are. And you do believe these things. Then you can rejoice that Jesus did not accept Peter's rebuke. You can rejoice that Jesus did not uh, fall to Peter's rebuke and he rebuked him back and then he did go to the cross. And you can sing our closing song with all the joy you can muster for our risen Jesus. Oh, that rugged cross, my salvation, where your love poured out over me, now my soul cries out, hallelujah, praise and honor unto thee.